0: America
1: Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here Sunday morning. We have one great show for you today. We have Larry Kudlow. What's going on in the economy? What's going on in religion? Well, we're speaking with Rabbi uh, Pakashtik and A.R. Bernard on things that are that that are changing in the last 10 years in religion. Dr. Peter Michalos, how are we gonna live longer? Mario Konomo, what's going on in Europe? And uh, Special Agent Waltz, an update of what's going on in the the DEA and and drugs in America, they're killing us. And let's start the show with uh, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House. Well, he's won with us today is kevin mccarthy the speaker of the house of representatives on the verge of becoming as famous as ronald reagan and uh, tip o'neill as famous as uh, bill clinton and uh uh newt gingrich and kevin kevin mccarthy you made a deal uh with common sense individuals on the republican end common sense individuals On the Democratic end. This is going to be the largest cut
2: in American history. $2.1 trillion. But we put a cap on the government growth at the same time. And we got work requirements for welfare. This is going to help people get jobs again. This is only for able-bodied, no dependents, but they're going to get jobs again. And then we claw back all that COVID money. And then the other thing we did? We had the largest rescission. So you can't send the 400 million to China from the CDC. We're going to keep it in America. And with the other thing we've done is hold Congress accountable. They can't pass all their 12 appropriation bills. It's a 1% cut across the board. And for the first time in 40 years, we are able to reform the Environmental Review Project, the NEPA. All this time that takes on average seven years to build a road, that's getting narrowed down to one or two years and we stuck to our grounds and we held a tough bargain and we were able to be able to do something for the American public that no other Congress has been able to do. So I applaud the American people and the Republican Congress and those Republican senators who stuck with us.
3: Hey, Rita, what, what, what say you, Rita? You know, uh, Mr. Speaker, I want to ask you about IRS agents. A lot of people are asking, where does that stand? And I also yeah. heard you coming out and talking about maybe more border agents. Explain those two, because the American public's so interested in that.
2: Yeah, and this has been miscalculated to people. They think we didn't stop the IRS. There has been zero hiring of any new IRS agents. They plan to hire 87,000 over a number of years. They had $1.4 billion this year to hire new IRS agents. We pulled that $1.4 billion back, so they can't hire anything. Then we got another $20 billion of that money that they had put for there, and we're going to reappropriate that later this year. I think a great place would be, let's look at, do we need it in the military? Do we need it down on the border with border agents? Let's put that money where we think the American people need it, and not for the IRS that's going to go after American people. Let's put it for places that is servicing and helping people.
1: Uh, Mr. Speaker, is there anything uh, that could help the border? Have you come to any agreement with them?
2: Well, we passed a border patru- a border control um, bill, um, and we sent it to the Senate. Of course, the Senate has not acted, but we've got the ability to come up with. Uh, in in appropriations to be able to put different items in there, and we're just going to keep fighting till we get it done. You know, the one thing about me, John, is that I never give up. I stick with it, and we just keep fighting.
1: Uh, understood. Um, what are the things? You, now the, there was also an attack uh, on AM radio, and I understand there's hearings next week that they've invited me to go down. Uh, what was that all about? Nobody understands it. Well, we cannot
2: take away AM radio. If we had it in the world, somewhere in this country talking to, communicating with individuals, these were car companies that wanted to take the AM radio out, not put it in the new cars. So we're going to have a hearing, and I'm going to move the legislation so we make sure we still have the ability to communicate with people across this country in a time of emergency and the AM radio...
1: Stays in the vehicles. Yeah, it was a 97 percent of the American people are reached by AM radio, and I think some of the car companies, all they cared about is maybe charging nine dollars ninety nine cents for the for to give you a radio on their on their cars. Uh, Rita, what other items does you want to ask the speaker?
3: You know, I want to ask you, Mr. Speaker, what's your message also to uh, the GOP, the ones who didn't vote for the debt ceiling bill? Because there were 71 who didn't. What do you say to them? Uh, obviously, uh, it looks like some on the right and obviously some on the left, um, which maybe the fact that uh, obviously it passed uh, is, is obviously a good sign. But how do you keep the party together?
2: Well, I just think you move forward. Everybody has their own opinion. Some people want more into the bill. Some people thought they wanted more defense spending. Some people want more cuts. That's tough to put everything together. Uh, I think we found the sweet spot. I just didn't want to be known in history that I voted against the largest cut in American history in a time of debt that we have today. America is stronger based upon this bill becoming law. More people are going to be able to get jobs and out of poverty. We're going to be able to build things, cut the red tape that's been holding us back with all these environmental studies. We're going to stop the first chunk of the IRS agents, and we're coming back next year for the rest. So, I mean, this is a very good first start. But, look, our debt is so big for so many years. We've got to be able to turn this ship around, and we finally got a turn going now. We've got to take the next step tomorrow.
1: Uh, Mr. Speaker, I want to thank you for, for coming on and, uh, uh, and giving us a briefing of uh, what it's all about. And uh, God bless America. And, and we hopefully by midnight tonight that uh, we go forward. Well, I appreciate
2: you guys and keep doing the great work. And I'll make sure AM radio stays on so everybody can hear and get information that we need across this nation.
1: Thank you. And thank you, Rita, and uh, God bless America. With us today is a retired DEA Special Agent in Charge, Derek Maltz, and uh, he is the former Associate Special Agent in Charge of All New York. And, uh, uh, Wells, give us an update, Derek. John, thanks for
4: having me again. Well,. The update is very bad for the American public. We have a huge victory for the Mexican cartels, the Chinese criminal networks, and the corrupt and soft on crime leaders in Mexico. Unfortunately, kids are dying at historic levels. We just got the latest uh, CDC update with about 110,000 dead in, in uh, 2022, which I believe is well, well underreported, John. They do not keep timely and accurate statistics. That's another problem we have right now that we can't even uh, address this historic level of death and destruction of our young future leaders of America. But anyway, as an example, over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, there were 1.3 million fentanyl pills just seized in four cars in Nogales, Arizona, which is a stronghold for the Sinaloa cartel. Uh, People are entering America uh, at levels we've never seen. John, just to give you an idea, when Trump was in office in 2020, there were 253,000 apprehended in the first seven months, okay? This past seven months, the new numbers just came out. 1,431,965. That's a 465% increase from when Trump was there in seven months. And the same thing goes with fentanyl. When Trump was in office with fentanyl, there was a total of 1,605, uh, 1,605 pounds of Fentanyl seized in the first seven months of uh, fiscal year 2020. Right now, we're up to 17.2 thousand pounds. Now, some Americans would say, "Oh, yeah, this administration is doing a better job at seizing the drugs." No, the reason that was seized so much more is because production is off the charts in Mexico, because they have the steady flow of chemicals coming in from uh, from China. Now, one good thing happened this week, John. The Treasury Department announced the, uh, the sanctions on 17, uh, you know, 17 individuals and entities involved in the proliferation of the equipment used to produce the fake pills. That's a good thing. I applaud their efforts working with the DEA, Homeland Security, and CBP, but that's not going to shut down the cartel's ability to pump the poison into America.
1: I mean, the Chinese are shoving it down the, through the Mexican government or Mexican cartels into the United States, killing Americans. Are the Chinese getting even uh, with the opium wars that uh, we conducted against them? Well, John, look, I've been following this
4: evolution of China's involvement with the production of synthetic drugs going back to about 2008 when they started hitting us with the synthetic marijuana the cathinones the bath salts the k2 the spice then they went to fentanyl now of course they're producing xylazine the tranq drug that is uh, rotting people from inside out you can buy that on the websites they're producing other more potent synthetic opioids like the nitazines etanitazine isonitazine that's supposedly 20 times more potent than actual fentanyl that's showing up in autopsies in america so, yeah, I believe it's all part of the unrestricted warfare to destabilize and destroy their adversary. And now, of course, John, one thing that nobody is reporting on, which drives me crazy, is this increase in the Chinese money laundering for the cartel. So they have the kids here in America that are going to school, and then they're asked to pick up suitcases of cash that's turned over to the Chinese businessmen. And then they're buying land, they're buying property, they're investing And they're paying for stuff in America with cash picked up uh, from drug cartels, from specifically the Mexican cartels. And now, John, the thing that is really, really irritating to me is that they're beating us on our own turf, moving money around the world seamlessly using banking apps from China, using encrypted apps like WeChat Pay, as an example. And these these offshore encrypted apps are killing law enforcement in America because Congress is not paying attention to it. And the Chinese are winning again on the money laundering side. So they're providing the chemicals and they're doing the money laundering services. So the cartels have a very steady global business relationship with the Chinese criminals. So that's a recipe for a national security disaster. And it's been evolving for years. This didn't start yesterday.
1: I mean, in the last 12 months, I've been saying to people they've killed more Americans in the last 12 months just from the drugs than right. all of the all of Vietnam, all of Korea, and all of Afghanistan.
4: Right. So, so, John, like, I like to keep it really simple with that. So people know al-Qaeda, they know Hezbollah, they know ISIS, they've heard of them. But guess what? If you combine all of those traditional terrorist organizations they haven't come close to killing the amount of Americans at the cartels and that's why uh, not to play the politics but President Trump was just interviewed uh, about you know what he would do if he became president uh, against the cartels and one of the things that I love what he said and I'll quote him he said basically he's going to deploy the US military to inflict maximum damage on the cartels. John what is wrong with that statement if they're killing our kids at record levels, why, why aren't the current people in charge having the same opinion about the cartels? Like, anybody can see the damage that they're doing to the families and the communities and the kids. So why would we want to inflict maximum damage? That's what we did to ISIS. That's what we did to al-Qaeda. That's what we did to Hezbollah when we, when we had chances. So, so why wouldn't we want to do that to the cartels?
1: Nobody I I don't understand it. Uh, I mean, uh, like years ago, we we uh, uh, we saw the same movies that we all see that uh, the United States uh, went in and knocked out uh, all the uh, by, by, you know, all the uh, cartels. Look, in Colombia, you know, the Colombian government asked the
4: U.S. for support. The U.S. provided military resources and other resources to go after the narco terrorists in Colombia. And we pretty much knocked them down. We hurt them. Pablo Escobar. I mean, without the U.S. Inter- interaction in Colombia, you know, with all the intelligence and all the information and all the assets that were provided, you know, he never would have been killed. Now, the thing is, is that people have to look at these guys a little differently. They're not drug cartels, even though we often refer to them as drug cartels. They're narco-terrorists, and they're terrorists like we've never seen with the military arsenals that they have. With the death and destruction, they're throwing people in acid pits. So you don't even – they never get recovered. So the the fatality rates in Mexico are underreported because they don't tell you about all the disappearances. They're chopping up people, dismembering people. They have RPGs. They have drones with explosives. So they're operating like an army, and they're running on the southern border, and we're letting them control the border now, making billions of dollars. It's pretty sad, John, pretty sad.
1: Well, that's – it is – uh, um, it looks like we're making a new budget, and uh, the speaker says they're going to try to hire more agents for the borders. How do you see that?
4: If you look at the policies that were put into place under President Trump, I mean, I'm friendly with the former Homeland Security uh, officials that, w- that ran the border operations, okay? And, and I've talked to them about it. They had policies in place to keep Americans safe. They were dealing with China. All of that fell apart once once Joe Biden got into office. And by the way, just for the listeners, I mean his legacy right now just on the fentanyl and drug deaths is over two hundred thousand dead Americans. That's something that's be resonating in everybody's mind. And, and so I do believe they need some more resources. But they have to build up that wall. They have to keep that wall. They have to keep the remaining Mexico policies. They gotta stop allowing These fraudulent asylum claims, it's ridiculous. 160 countries around the world were being invaded. We have gotaways you know, maybe, you know, a million and a half known gotaways over the last couple of years. And those individuals are all over our country. We don't know who they are, who sent them, what they're here for, what are they going to do. And then you look at the terror uh, apprehensions. You have the terror screening subjects that have been apprehended on the border. When Donald Trump was in office in 2020, we had three apprehensions. This year alone, in seven months, there's been 96. Last year, were 98. If you look at last year's terror screening apprehensions in between the port of entries compared to this year, okay, I'm not sorry, compared to when Donald Trump was in office, that's a 3,166% increase from 2020 to 2022. It's insane. Like, half of the public doesn't understand the magnitude of this threat. Now, yes. John, don't even let let's not even let's not even talk about this. But our communities are going to be inundated. Our hospitals are going to be overloaded. Our schools are going to be saturated with multiple yes, languages. We
1: have a problem. Uh, uh, we, we have a problem. Yeah, big problem. Big, big problem. problem. Well, uh, retired DEA special agent in charge Derek Malls. Thank you for for even though you're retired. You're staying involved and worried about our country. Thank you so much for what you do. Let's keep the people, uh, you know, uh, uh, let them know what's going on all the time. And thank you for coming on.
4: Thank you, John. All the best. Thank you for what you
0: do. You're listening to the Cats Roundtable.
1: With us today is uh, Mario Economo, a former banker in uh, New York, London, Zurich. And, uh... Uh, We haven't had a report on what's going on in Europe uh, lately, and uh, Mario, what the heck is going on?
5: Yes, good morning, Cats Roundtable. How is everybody today? So there's a lot of things going on, as usual, whether they're important or not. That depends on the person who's listening to our update to determine. Uh, We know that the uh, inflation in Europe is actually coming down now, and that's largely driven by the fact that energy prices have come down dramatically. Food inflation remains stubbornly high, but uh, eventually that, too, should pull back, given the decrease in energy prices. Uh, Just to give you an idea, uh, inflation now is just slightly north of 6% uh, in the Eurozone. Uh, That's down roughly 1%. Uh, The ECB itself has announced that uh, it will continue to increase interest rates. They have a target of 3.75. They could go higher. But the more interesting and alarming thing is that uh, somebody from Holland, I believe it is, uh, that's a part of the ECB, has announced that more likely than not, interest rate cuts will not happen at least through the end of 2024, meaning another year and a half. Which in Uh, another
1: Mario, Mario, my comment on that is, uh, I think. I think the uh, European community is showing how stupid they are because what induces capital? Nobody's going to invest money uh, where the cost of capital is very high. I, I don't understand that. Do you understand that as a former banker? No, I
5: don't understand it. And in fact, I can tell you that if they continue to do this, uh... we will start to see tremendous pressure on people on individuals who have mortgage rates which keep going up and mortgage payments which keep going up with wages that are remaining essentially stagnant so at some point, you can't burn the candle at both ends and expect nothing to happen. At some point, people are going to start having uh, uh, being distressed with respect to the payments they're making to the banks, which will have an impact on the banks. I'm not sure what's going on here. I think there is an agenda. I can't believe that there is not an agenda, but I suspect that the ECB is actually preparing for something, I'm not too sure what it is, but it makes no sense to continue keeping interest rates this high through 2024 when you've already seen that inflation and specifically energy costs have come down dramatically.
1: What else was going on? There was uh, there was there was uh, uh, I guess uh, elections in in uh, Turkey, and you call it differently. And there was elections in Greece, or, or oh, whoa. whoa. Which way is the trend going in the European community?
5: Okay, so, uh, yes, it's actually called Turkey now. Uh, that's the official name that needs to be addressed by. Uh, and, yes, President Erdogan won, but that was not a surprise to many people who have studied him and who know and understand what's happening in Turkey. You have to understand the majority of the people uh, in Turkey do support him. He's viewed as a strong leader. It doesn't matter what the West thinks, and in fact, when the West actually throws around terms like dictator, demagogue, um, dangerous Islamic person, those titles actually go a long way in Turkey with the people. They actually like strong leaders, and they like the image that he's projecting on the world with respect to that country. Uh, It looks like he's going to be changing his cabinet completely, and he's going to be appointing a gentleman by the name of Mr. Killeen, who's a very, very sharp, intelligent, well-spoken person educated in the U.S. who's going to head his uh, foreign ministry. Uh, And that's actually a good thing, because Mr. Killeen is uh, not that aggressive. He's reasonable, he's practical, and he's very approachable. So I think that uh, that's a very good thing that, that President Erdogan is doing. Does it mean that uh Turkey Turkeya will actually accept Sweden? Uh, into NATO? Uh, the short answer to that is I don't know, but I suspect not. Uh, we know that Mr. Stoltenberg, the, the NATO Secretary General, will be traveling to Turkey to meet with President Erdogan, uh, and he will be discussing uh, having uh, Turkey uh, stop the veto that it keeps putting up with respect to Sweden joining NATO. Um, let's also touch on what's going on in Greece. That's an important uh, uh, situation there as well. The polls were completely lo- wrong in the last election. They actually did not predict the very high um, uh, of voter turnout and the very high amount of people that were going to vote for the sitting government of New Democracy. They were also very low. Uh, they made a mistake. They didn't uh, predict correctly. They, in fact, overshot. They didn't undershoot the amount of percentage that the opposition party was going to get. This means we have another runoff election, essentially, now in Greece at the end of June on the uh, 25th, I believe it is, and uh, that election— more likely than not, the current, the former government, New Democracy, will once again win the parliament, and they will continue with their uh, program. Uh, the bad news is, of course, the opposition will be very weak uh, in that parliament, which will allow the Greek uh, party of New Democracy to essentially push through all the reforms that it has in mind. The bond markets overall are pleased with the performance Greece uh, is... Uh, is uh, uh, go, um, seeing, and um, I don't suspect there will be any tremendous economic shocks there. It's worth pointing out that in Spain, the center-left government that was the uh, the prime minister was uh, in, with the parliament there, he essentially called new elections because in regional elections, the center-right party and the far-right party actually won very overwhelmingly. So he decided he needed to essentially go to National elections in order to determine whether or not the current government uh, that's, uh, r- that was re- uh, running Spain is going to continue or whether the people are going to want a center right, far right government combination. Um, we should also just touch on the Ukraine, and this is very important. If you remember, there's going to be a. We're down to NATO about meeting. one
1: minute, uh, Mario, so
6: tell us.
5: Yes, there's going to be a NATO meeting this summer, and they were going to be discussing at that NATO meeting Sweden joining and Turkey going there. Uh, there was also going to be a discussion about Ukraine joining NATO, and I think this has now pretty much been put into the deep freezer because Germany's foreign minister, Ms. Berbach, has announced um, that no country that's currently involved in a war is allowed to join NATO. So I think that uh, if, they, if if they in fact do that and say that, that in a way is a form of appeasement to the russians which is not a bad thing because then we can look to september when there is the g20 in india and see if the all the countries can sit around the table and reach an agreement to end this war which so far all it's done is killed a lot of people on both sides um, destroyed completely the donbass the infrastructure and the buildings and people's lives and accomplished very little else. And the else. budget,
1: the, 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 the deficit in the Ukraine is up to $124 billion, and will the United States have to pay for it someday?
2: Well, that's uh,
5: you're an American, that's for you people in America to vote and decide on.
1: Mario, uh, thank you. God bless you. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you again real soon.
5: Thank you for having me on. Enjoy your day.
1: With us today is Dr. Peter Michalos, our in-house genius, uh, historian, a uh, soon-to-be author, a, uh, a, a doctor, a, a person, our in-house genius. Dr. Uh, Peter Mihalos. tell us, what do you think is important for people to learn today?
7: Well, today we're going to talk about uh, our second brain and an area that's 80% of our immune system. And it turns out that our, our the intestines and our human gut turns out to be a very fascinating uh, area of research and treatment and uh, area where we're going to be getting a lot of things like future diagnosis and spotting diseases earlier and even treating certain disease, including uh, mental illness, uh, has been identified to be associated with what's happening in our intestine. And it turns out that it's the home to a 100 trillion microorganisms, which is about 10 pounds. Of microbes that live and coexist with us and at one time some of them were infections but they've learned to coexist with us and live in our intestinal system and now with DNA sequencing they've even found out there are 140,000 viral species that live in our gut and it's almost hard to imagine but some are good and some are bad and basically what happens is just so people understand the definitions probiotics are the good bacteria that live and coexist with us. Prebiotics are the food that feed the good bacteria and sometimes the bad bacteria. And postbiotics are the products of that uh, digestion. And what happens is basically we now know that where you live and what you eat affects this blend of diverse bacteria and viruses uh, that live with us. And I recently had a discussion with uh, Dr. Magdalena of Southampton atop uh, integrative medicine specialist and basically uh we talked about how we need to have a healthy diversity of bacteria for a healthy gut because 80 percent of our immune system we now know is in our intestine that that in other words the your stomach is
1: something wrong with your stomach and it cannot absorb Food and that's the reason for diarrhea. It goes all it goes all the way through without being absorbed well, uh, by your you know, body uh, for nutrients.
7: Right, it's the, in the large intestine is where we, we reabsorb all our water. So when we get traveler's diarrhea, for example, and you go to a certain countries and E. Coli starts overgrowing in the walls of the large intestine, it causes it to swell. And all the little tiny pores where we reabsorb water are blocked, and that's what diarrhea is. And it's also a mechanism by which to try to flush and push things out. And I forget
1: when, the, when we discussed, uh, it, it was, uh, I had a lot of phone calls, so especially what we discussed, I think, on Wednesday or Thursday when you were on the 5 o'clock show, uh, that the, the sugar feeds the cancer.
7: Yep, absolutely. Sugar feeds cancer and that's one of the things that happens why people lose their appetite when they have solid tumors and cancer the theory is that in order for the body to starve the 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 tumor of of sugar it basically kills appetite and that's another fascinating area
1: if you have lost your appetite if you have lost your appetite and this is just two friends talking amongst each other uh, not, uh, not asking for a, doc, a doctorate uh, uh, if you lost your appetite, you maybe you should go to the doctor or go get one of those tests that test for uh, all those cancers.
7: Yeah, absolutely The gallery test by Grail you can check 50 cancers through one blood test and uh, you know definitely consult with your physician but that sometimes is a warning sign. And in the future doctors are going to be able to measure, uh, microbial biomarkers which may warn of impacting disease and that's coming around in the future as well and also a study was done with saccharin and sucralose that they changed the microbiome and they impacted glucose metabolism resulting in weight gains and diabetes and some of the things like a certain toothpaste and even lipstick are, have saccharin in it, and that also can mess up your microbiome And there's a whole other area of research to let our listeners know called the psychobiotic diet, which is in one study, they fed people fermented foods that helped to feed the good bacteria. And those people had less stress and the gut brain uh, communicate. And basically after four weeks, they had reduced stress when they started eating things like oats and quinoa, onions, leeks, cabbage, bananas, kefir, kombucha, sauerkraut, lentils. Those are all foods that feed the good bacteria, and those people were taking off all sugary drinks and sweets and no artificial sweeteners. and they're Okay, give it to me one more life. time.
1: The stuff that does not feed tumors and the good stuff. You said lentils. I love lentils.
7: What lentils, else? kefir, kombucha, sauerkraut, apples, bananas, onions, leeks, cabbage, oats, quinoa. Those are the good things. The bad ones are the high fructose corn syrup, the sugary drinks, the artificial sweeteners, and, you know, also uh, after antibiotics, if you take too many. uh, Are we saying
1: that the tumors, they love sugar, cancer loves sugar, it also loves artificial sweeteners?
7: The artificial sweeteners disrupt the microbiome because basically when you put the artificial sweetener in your mouth, it tells the brain, oh, wow, there's sugar coming, shoot out insulin, shoot out insulin. And then what happens is then your blood sugar starts dropping, but you actually didn't get the sugar. And also some of the good bacteria are exposed to it and they're not getting any energy out of it. So the whole microbiome system gets confused because it's like a fake out. It's like here, I'm delivering you a pizza, but inside the pizza, it's a, Piece of plastic. It's Understood. not really food.
1: But. Understood, Doctor Peter. We're we're on overtime. Thank you for uh, for making people. I'll tell you, you're making us making us all smarter, and hopefully we all live a little bit longer. And, and God bless you, and may God give you a hundred years.
7: Consult your doctor, of course, with all this information. And thanks for always getting the truth out on the Cats table. Welcome back. To the Cats Roundtable.
1: With us today is Steve Cates, otherwise known as Doctor Sky, and he entertains us every week by allowing our minds to expand into what the heck is going on out there in Never Never Land, and hopefully someday we'll find out the truth. Uh, Steve Cates, Steve, to give us your. Uh, where are we today?
6: Well, good morning, John. Happy Sunday. Good to be back on the Cats Roundtable as we move into the month of June. But we have a couple of interesting stories here. One, as we continue to follow up, John, about water being more seemingly detected in the solar system and in other places in the universe. Here's an interesting story. Saturn's moon, known as Enceladus, there's now been discovered a large water plume, meaning this big stream of water about 6,000 miles long, out of this Saturnian satellite, all this detected by the James Webb telescope. So, this brings us to more satellites, more moons, that seemingly have either underground, you know, water, oceans, or something of that type. So, Enceladus, John, is Saturn's sixth largest moon. It was discovered by the astronomer William Herschel in 1789, but it's named in honor of Greek giants. This is one of the offspring of Gaia, the Earth, and Uranus, the sky. So, here we go, John. Isn't that incredible? More water well- detected.
1: Bottom line, the truth is it looks like water is a universal item. It's been discovered on the moon. It's been discovered on Mars. It's been discovered uh, on Saturn's uh, moon. It looks like uh, it's the universal item, and it's probably uh, inducive to uh, creating some kind of life.
6: Absolutely. It's such a precious commodity, but only at the earth for the longest time, as we know, is what water was seen. So the the story continues. But, John, so many other amazing things. Let's not forget that April 8th of 2024 is just around the corner. Why is it important? What's the next great total solar eclipse here in the United States? And hopefully people got to see the one back in 2017. But here's a little bit of trivia the worst place if you were standing still in a state of the united states to see a total solar eclipse would be the state of delaware they haven't had one since fourteen seventy eight that's about six hundred and sixty six years but missouri is actually one of the best they had one in twenty They'll have one in twenty twenty four and one in twenty forty five but what's interesting is new york had its last total solar eclipse back in nineteen twenty five the upper area of new york state gets that eclipse in twenty twenty four And then, John, if we miss that for New Yorkers, we'll have to wait until the year 2079. So we're going to be talking here, hopefully with you, obviously, on the Cats Roundtable, about how to prepare for that great total eclipse. But, John, we talk about the mystery of the week, and here we go. NASA has their own organization to study the so-called UFO phenomenon. They call it unidentified anomalous phenomena. Now
1: that is interesting. Now that yes. that I, I I like to expand our minds and know, And I know they NASA or some a uh, professor
6: Nolan uh, gave some uh, opinions out too. Well, here's another guy that's the head of that. We're talking about a Dr. David Spurgel. And he's a NASA astrophysicist, and basically just to let people know in case they missed it. It was this big press conference, big in the sense that it was broadcast out there on the Internet on one of the NASA channels. But the bottom line here is they're not denying the fact that this phenomenon exists. What they're saying in the encapsulated version here on the Cats Roundtable is that they're only studying non-classified type of situations. So of the 800 or 700 or maybe even more sightings that people are reporting that are credible, What they're saying is, here's the bottom line of that whole press conference. They're claiming that they need better data in which to analyze these particular sightings. Now, this is different, John, than NASA's organization. I mean, NASA's doing this, I said, but what the United States military is doing, they're also studying this on their own. But remember, kind of sad in my mind, I was given an opinion on this, that we're not getting more information on this because they're basically saying NASA that we need better data. But John, I think, to disagree with them, there's so much data that's out there. So what are we not being told by both the government, you know, basically our government itself doing this, and now NASA, and they're claiming that there's only maybe two or three percent of these sightings that are really worth it. I'm interested in those two and three percent, and I'm sure you are. What say you? This is important.
1: Every American is interested in it, and I think enough is enough. We just
6: need to know the truth. And that leads us, John, to what we always close on. We talk about what people can see in the sky, because that's where our eyes are as we ponder the heavens. As you look into the sky tonight, Sunday night, you'll see the beautiful full strawberry moon. This is a magnificent moon. Every full moon is special. But during this particular time, the moon's name is also called the full honeymoon because of the preponderance of weddings that happened or still happened primarily during the month of June. But high in the uh, northwest at sunset, Venus and Mars continue to come together in the sky, their own love affair, as we call them. But we find out that if you look at Mars with a pair of binoculars, it's literally sailing through a star cluster, John, called the Beehive Star Cluster. I watched it last night. Easy to see with binoculars, meaning you'll see red Mars with a whole bunch of stars around it. Mars is closer. The star field itself with the cluster is many, many light years away. But, John, to learn more, we always remind people to go to WABCradio.com for the Dr. Sky experience. And, John, it's always a privilege and honor being on here with you and the many listeners around the nation on the Cats Roundtable.
1: Well, thank you for Sunday morning expanding our minds, and that's what Sunday morning is for. Uh, God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you so much, uh, Steve Cates. Thank you,
6: John.
3: Well, joining us is an expert on workers. Uh, let's go to Larry Cutlow, the great economist and also host. That's of, an economic
6: uh, phrase. Ask Larry. Yeah, he'll tell it, you.
3: He will be able to translate, I think. Larry, can you translate uh, Tony's English?
8: <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I figured you'd ask me to define nuts.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it is Friday, you know.
8: <laughs> it sounds like a really dumb idea. I don't understand that. Uh, I don't even understand that as a taxpayer. Right. Okay. Right. So what is the biggest bloated budget uh, there is? And now they're going to work less. I I didn't know they could work less, but I'm sure there are some good people in there. But that sounds like a pretty lousy idea to me.
6: Larry, 10 years ago, when that idiot de Blasio became mayor, we had a $70 billion budget. And now it's 106, 10 years later.
8: You know, what's so interesting about that is the state of Florida, which has a higher population, it's several million higher than New York. The size of the Floridian budget is about half of New York's. And their tax rates are obviously much lower. In fact, there is no income tax in Florida. And their growth rate is about three times New York. So somebody would ask, what are we getting for our money And our taxes up here. And the answer is not much squat.
3: I think Tony would have another four letter word for that (laughs) one, too. Uh, uh, By the way, Larry, tonight, you know, of course, uh, the president's going to address the country in about an hour and a half from now uh, on the debt ceiling bill. What do you think he's going to say? What would you advise him? You've been there in the White House.
8: You know, this guy, this is a wonderful story. What time is he on? 7? Yeah, 7. Eight. Yeah, so he's
3: got to be, and... yeah, be in bed by 8. Yeah, he's got to be in bed by 8.
8: 7.05. No, no, no. no. <laughs> this is on a Friday night, which is a dead news time. He's going to go on. And talk about the budget deal, which he may as well hide under a rock and not do it at all. I mean, no one's going to be watching it. It'll be like CNN ratings or something.
3: What do you make of the timing, Larry? That's a great point, because that's when you bury the news, you know,
8: when you bury the news. What what I think, look, Kevin McCarthy took him to the cleaners. Okay, Biden went from a clean debt bill with no budget cuts and no policy changes to a Debt ceiling increase that will cut about uh, $2 trillion out of the budget with very important policy changes on work requirements. Boy, there's one from New York, work requirements, but also <laughs> first, new new permitting rules, uh, PAYGO rules to stop regulations. McCarthy did very well, in my opinion. He got about 70 percent of what he asked for. Uh, It's pro-growth and and counter to inflation. So, you know, he completely ran circles around Biden. And my guess is that's the reason Biden's doing this 7 o'clock on a Friday night, which is dead time. And probably the other reason is the left wing of his party was very much against it. So he's not going to get any kudos for this. Uh, This was McCarthy's moment. This was a very important first step towards the return of conservative economics and conservative governance and i you know my hats off to mccarthy And as far as biden is uh, is concerned nobody's going to nobody's going to watch it nobody's going to listen to it nobody zero not at all.
3: larry thank you very much everybody's going to be tuning in tomorrow keep up the great work on fox and also here on wabc we love you larry have a great weekend welcome back i'm rabbi Joseph potasnik
0: And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. Reverend Bernard, we are most honored that we have with us today John Katsimatidis, known to us as the boss. Not Bruce Springsteen, John Katsimatidis. And Rita Cosby, who is so uh, really loved by so many people who listen to her on the air. And she and I have often discussed her father, uh, his service to our country. And as a child of survivors, I greatly appreciate uh, all that he did for us. Let's talk about an article uh, that appeared in the paper that is—it's troubling. It's something the Reverend and I talk about all the time. We're seeing
1: diminishing returns. In religion. In religion. In other areas, the too. Catholics but are down 39 uh, percent. Jews are down, Was it, 25 percent. Uh, Episcopalians yeah. are down substantially. See, John, I can—I
0: can—, I can live with the fact that people maybe are switching religions. They're looking for more meaning elsewhere. At least their religion is a prioritized item, but people who are dropping out, um, that is very troubling. What is it that is going on that is inspiring people to say, this is not for me anymore. And they don't go anywhere else. We call them the nuns. So Rev, let's, let's begin with you. What do you think?
9: Well, you know, I I think it depends on where you look in, The established mainstream religious uh, context, they're finding that it's diminishing, but in independent non-denominational congregations that tend to be Protestant in the country, many of them are, are flourishing. I think what's changing is traditional religious practice is being rejected for a new type of spirituality. You know, we've, we've had uh, aspects of our society uh, and perce- perspectives change so rapidly over the last 20 years. So traditional definition of faith uh, is, is is about all the things that we've known and our parents have taught us, a pr- set of values, a, a style of devotion, religious teaching, rituals, etc. But now uh, faith has expanded beyond just religious tradition. It's now about exploring spirituality, meditation, uh, connectedness with the rest of the world.
1: The human being needs a little spirituality. And I think it's built into our system. It's like I've made public statements on this artificial intelligence. Pardon my language. It's a lot of crap. There's no, the artificial intelligence is not real. It cannot substitute for the human mind. The artificial intelligence that they're trying to sell you on is only uh, w- what, you know, the old expression was crap in versus crap out. And, and, and it's up to the programmers and the way they program and the way they use their algorithms. But that's, that, it, there is no substitute. For our Creator that created us, in in the human mind, and the human uh, intelligence, and the human spirituality, that mm. we desire and need. Well, so whether you you whether you go to a synagogue, or whether you go to a church, or whether you go to another religious institution, there's part of the human body that needs it. There are so
9: many platforms that young people can access spiritual nurturing now that it's competing with the church. They don't have to go into the building anymore. They can get it through social media, uh, through conventional media. I mean, it's just when we when we Embrace faith. Faith became central to our identity and to our our world. And we organize our life around the centrality of our faith. Nowadays, young people are trying to figure out, how do I fit faith into my lifestyle? Calling in this
1: morning from Kiev is Governor Pataki, and he's there on a humanitarian uh, reason. Governor, thank you for calling in. I'm glad you're safe. Tell us what is going on in Kiev.
10: Well, th- well, thank you, John. And uh, I'll tell you, it's inspiring. As every one of my trips to Ukraine have been, to see the, the strength of the people. You know, Keith has been uh, had rocket and drone tax- attacks virtually at the beginning of uh, uh, of the last couple of weeks. And uh, we had one uh, last the you, shelter. out on the streets, you talk to people, life goes on. Uh, people are living uh, uh, and enjoying the spring, and it's just so emotional. You know, I remember a woman saying, we can live like this in Keys because people are dying in the east. And that really is what it comes down to. They're, they're doing everything they can to protect their country.
1: You are there on a humanitarian uh, mission, I understand. You're, you're trying to bring certain equipment and certain uh, remote housing. Tell tell all the American people what you're doing there.
10: Yeah, well, John, uh, each time we've been here, we've delivered humanitarian aid and it changes. You know, right after the war broke out, we were bringing in food and medicine because that was needed. Uh, the next time we came in, we brought portable housing units for the refugees who had been uh, bombed out of their homes uh, in the east. And then we brought heaters and generators before the winter to help uh, people get through the winter. This time, it's uh, trauma kits. We're working with Task Force ANTEL, retired uh, Delta Force U.S. soldiers, and we're taking in hundreds of trauma kits, training people in Kiev uh, and in other areas, uh, other cities, uh, what to do in the event, have a drone or a rocket attack, because it's no longer just the front lines where people are at risk. Uh, you're having people killed all over the country when these drone or rocket attacks uh, uh, land in, on civilian targets. So, the more people we can get these trauma tips through, the more people it can be trained. Uh, you can save lives. So this trip is about to save lives. And
1: thanks for listening to the Catch Roundtable. If you missed any interviews, go to thecatchroundtable.com or go to wabcradio.com. Go to the podcast. Get those segments that you missed. Have a nice Sunday.